is... I'm going to sneeze. Good, because I needed a sniff. Okay. Of your fart. I sneezed and you sniffed. Your okay. sneezes are so precious. Oh, thank you. Over the people. I might keep it in and see what people think. I'll do a poll on <laughs> Rate my sneeze. <laughs> Just a Girl Podcast, the podcast where we discuss anything and everything music industry and intersectional feminism related. I'm Katie. And I'm Natalie. And this is episode 15. So Natalie, what have you been listening to this week? So this week I've been listening to Arlo Parks. I've seen. Yes, great new song. I've been listening to, oh, it's mostly new songs actually. I've been listening to Beyond Belief on repeat. So good. On repeat. Holding absence. Mm -hmm. I was at the gym for like an hour and that was the only song I listened to. (laughs) Smashed it actually. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) And the new Mamma Moo song, Dinger. Oh my God, I love it. It sounds a bit like hip. But only in the sense that, like, it's obviously Mama Moon. Mm, I actually know what you mean, yeah. yeah. How about you? So I've been listening to Dame, yeah. the new song Cold Water. Mm. It's like an indie pop bop, and I'm obsessed with it. I've been listening to Orchards, their oh, yeah, album Lovecore. Yeah. Tom, friend of the podcast, recommended <laughs> them because I said how obsessed I was with Dame. So he was like, oh, you like Orchards. Oh, lovely. And I've been listening to Chorder, oh, who yes. are gent metal i would like to even go further in defining their genre by saying groovy gent metal yes yeah i would back you on that because it's like how have they achieved funk metal yeah love it oh god it's so good so good so katie what's on the agenda for this week so this week we're going to be talking about why we don't hate men now that sounds really weird but when, we're, when we've been discussing progression and issues surrounding equality, it often sounds like we're just slagging off white, straight, cis men, mm. which we're not doing. I guess just the more privileged one is, the harder it is for one to connect with the press groups and kind of see things from their perspective. So we're all part of the patriarchy and a systematically racist society, but that doesn't necessarily mean that all white cis men are to blame. Mm. So we want to use this episode to shout out men Mm. in the music industry who are doing really good things for equal opportunities. Sure. And also, because this is an intersectional feminist podcast, also raise awareness on the issues that men face to this day too. Exactly. For example, like the highest suicide rate in Britain is by white men. So we don't want to forget that. We want to be Supportive of everybody, because that's what intersectional feminism is. Absolutely. So we're going to start by just discussing which men we think deserve a shout out. And obviously, like, quick disclaimer as well. I know we're making jokes of, like, we don't hate men. But, like, when we do say stuff like that, it is normally a joke. So Mm. I don't want anyone to think that, like, we have a problem with men. Mm. (laughs) I mean, we both have boyfriends, so we obviously do not have problems with men. Hmm. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) so let's begin (laughs) okay do you want to say yours and i'll say mine or Hmm. vice versa i'm happy to start okay i'm gonna start with quite a big one big name okay b-knock killer mike wait who killer mike from run the jewels oh i didn't know not know that was his name okay so he's just like 
incredibly outspoken is not the right word because he's like spoken enough or whatever the right <laughs> phrase is but he just is so vocal about issues like political issues racial issues feminist issues so for example um i don't know whether you know um the life or death pr's ceo heathcliff Beru. i think i'm mm. saying that right but he was basically outed as a sexual predator by amber kaufman mm. and loads of other women also came forward and Killer Mike spoke out like famously about this, which I think is really brave is like the wrong word because it implies that he shouldn't feel like he can do that. But he kind of shouldn't feel like, I mean, not that he shouldn't feel like he can do that, but I can definitely see why he feels like, or some people feel like they can't do that because, you know, their reputation is on the yes. line, their career is on the line. Or like they have personal ties with them because obviously mm. this guy was like massive in PR. So Killer Mike cut personal and professional ties with this Heathcliff guy. He also posted a status, which I think is the more prominent thing, on his Facebook that was basically just talking to men. Um, And I have a quote from it where he says, men have to be able to tell our friends and peers when they're wrong. We cannot just say it's not my problem. We can't expect people to improve if we're not willing to hold them accountable and push them to be better. Could not agree more with you. I just think that's a really lovely thing for him to do publicly. He also launched his own digital banking platform for black and Latin people because of like the lack of fairness in the financial system, basically. Which I guess poses the question like, where is the line between division and safety? Because obviously like segregating groups is arguably a problem in itself, but then safety is paramount. Mm. So I just thought that's a really interesting concept of like, where's the line there? I understand why he's done it and like not speaking on behalf of my black friends, but speaking from what I've heard them say, I think that's the right thing for him to have done just for like yeah. their own peace of mind. I personally, I agree. I don't really see a negative to what he's doing. Apart from white fragility, perhaps. Mm. <laughs> white people being like, they don't need that. I always forget about the white people. I don't know, I? we are so oppressed. As <laughs> white people. <laughs> hard, hard. Oh, okay. Who's yours? So, my first one is Danny Winter Bates from Bury Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So, not a Beanock in terms of global fame but the reason I really admire him is so, firstly, he's obviously in Bury Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Love love that band um but he also works full-time for the nhs um oh i didn't know that yeah so he's for years actually and he's a freedom to speak up guardian so which means the freedom to speak up is a whistleblowing policy um and it allows members of the nhs staff to raise concerns or i guess like whistleblow on any issues that are happening so they'll go to danny and then danny will be the person to basically try and like get to the root of this problem um and resolve it for them like investigates their concerns etc So there's that, as well as the fact that he's like a huge, huge mental health advocate for all people, not just men. Um, He's very, again, not outspoken, but vocal about it on social media and in their songs as well. Like the most recent album is very Mm. much themed around that. And it's really great that he is speaking up about it because it is such a taboo, especially amongst men. So Mm. to see a man in metal, that's, you know, quite like a um, hard... Yeah, mm. I don't know what the better word for that is. <laughs> Genre is um, really nice that he's using his platform for that. 
Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Secondly, um, there's only two points, but during their tour in October last year, him and the rest of Borough Tomorrow ran like a safe spaces, which was basically where fans before the gig would get together and discuss their mental health. Um, wow. Yeah, it was really nice. He would basically like, he searched in every city for like a mental health advocate, I suppose. So in Cardiff, they worked with Heads Above the Waves and yeah, uh, just created like a really nice place for people to, you know, feel okay with their own feelings. And he, I think he said in an interview that like someone even like came out for the first time in these safe spaces. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah, which showed he, he obviously achieved such a safe space yeah. that somebody could do that. So yeah, really admire that actually. Oh, I'm really moved by that. Hmm. Okay, right. Who's your next person? So my next person isn't necessarily a Beanock, but okay. I hope he will be one day. Hmm. So he's called Matthew Goodyear. You'll mm. know who he is because yes. he created the Burn It Down Festival. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing this is either a nod to Linkin Park or Fever 333 burn it down but it just had such a diverse lineup i think it was like nine out of 20 acts were non-male wow which just shows it's easy to do mm-hmm. and they were good acts as yeah, well so it's not good. just like oh have some women like genuinely good acts my only problem with this and i don't actually think this is matthew's fault <laughs> but the meta description on the search engine results page only mentioned men mm. but we'll let it slide because he created this amazing <laughs> festival but i just think like I love that he's proved how easy it is. And oh I'm not God, even yeah. sure whether it was deliberate because he did an interview with Karma Radio, Ryan's show, and it didn't seem like he'd done it necessarily mm. on purpose, which is arguably better. Like, I'm sure he was very like, aware of it. Yeah. But it just shows that his music taste is genuinely diverse. Definitely. Which is wonderful. And we love to see it. We do love to see it. I've actually got a similar one for my next one. Amazing. Great which segue. Which is um, <laughs> the 2000 Trees team. Andy Bren, James, Mark, Rob, and Cy. Um, so, as we all know, rock music is very white man heavy. We also know that I fucking love 2000 Trees Festival. <laughs> um, so, I actually found... I found one stat, and then I found... I, I What was it? Not find. Not found. I calculated another statistic. So, in 2009, these stats are from the British Festival Report. 40% of the artists at 2000 Trees Festival were of a different culture slash nationality. Which is, yeah, like I said, white man heavy. So 40% is very good. This doesn't sound so impressive, but given the context of the genre of the festival, I think is really good. Mm. In 2020, 25% of the lineup is artists with women in the band. Which, yeah, like I said, doesn't sound like much, but considering it is a white genre, I think that's really good progress. Definitely. And I like from personal experience, I couldn't go to 2000 Trees last year because of... Um, my dad Mm. and they famously like don't give refunds it's on the website like we don't refund and I was emailing about them just to see if I could get one because I felt like I had different circumstances (laughs) I mean you did yeah um and they were so lovely like they emailed me back like I'm so sorry you're going through this of course we'll refund you like they were really really nice so so even that like a personal touch in an email to someone they've never met who's just like give me my money back definitely yeah I I really respect them after that yeah it just shows how human they are like making an exception for something that is so like personal to you but also yeah a lot of people go through it yeah lovely kings yours next one so my next one is um pup but specifically oh, Steve, okay. because every single time I've seen them live, which is a grand total of twice, I believe, oh, yeah. they've always like said something political or mm. something like, for lack of a better word, good, that people <laughs> need to hear. Like, And 
Tom as well, who, <laughs> again, fucking hell. <laughs> Twice. He said that, like, every time he's seen them live, they've had a charity table for yes. either, like, women's rights or, um, like, homeless charities. They always pause in their shows to, like, discuss something important. I remember when we saw them, they yeah. were like, guys, remember to register to vote. And yeah. that was, like, in the UK and they still care. British politics as a Canadian band. Yeah. That's so cool. And I remember they were, like, really, like, they kept saying, like, register to vote, register to mm. vote, vote Labour or whatever. And I remember seeing a queue of people register. Like, they had an iPad, didn't they, mm-hmm. to be, like, registered. And there was a queue of people waiting to register to vote. And we were just smug, like, we're already registered. <laughs> um, and they always, like, preach to look out for one another at gigs as well, which I think, like, should go without saying. But a lot of bands just kind of let the crowd do whatever without mm. calling them out. So, yeah, I really respect Pup. I think they're a cool band. Yeah. And they're doing punk correctly. Agree. <laughs> Who's your next one? <laughs> so my next one is Young Blood. <gasps> He's on my list. Is he? Okay, you can explain your... Uh, is that okay if I move your list around? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so if they're... If he's both our number four. So the reason I've said Youngblood is because I love how open he is about his gender and sexual fluidity, Mm -hmm. which is amazing for people because I imagine he's got a lot of younger fans, which is amazing for them to accept who they are so early on in their lives, which means they'll be so self-assured later on in life too. I also love the way that he constantly and actively and consciously tries to break gender norms. Yeah. Whether that's, you know, wearing fishnets. That's why I asked you what fishnets were the other day. Because <laughs> I was like, what is it that he wears? <laughs> wears dresses, fishnets, wears eyeliner, paints his nails. He's just so self-assured and comfortable in himself and doesn't feel like he needs to fit into anything that I think is such a good ro- role model for people. That's really interesting that you that you're talking about gender expression because I was speaking to my friend James the other day mm. who is like a straight white man. And he often has his nails painted. And I feel like a lot of men would be quite, and this is really presumptuous, so I'm sorry if I'm wrong in this assumption, but like, would feel slightly insecure yeah. about having their nails painted because people might presume that they're gay or, you know, whatever, or like feminine, for lack of a better Definitely. word. But Youngblood is also on my list for the exact same reasons. Like he's so supportive of the trans community. Mm. I remember somebody tweeted him recently saying, can you put your pronouns in your bio? And he did straight away. Love that. Which shows that he's willing to learn, mm. willing to be corrected, mm-hmm. which is so important for like white men to be. He's really supportive of his young fans. Like he duets with them on TikTok. Oh, I haven't seen that. So you know his new song that I can never remember the name of, but it's something like God Will Save Me. Oh yeah. And then there's rain. Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> something about rain and drowning and God. But it's like a really important song for people to feel like connected with their mental health people have been doing tiktoks of their like insecurities and then like releasing like relinquishing them and it's so moving obviously like it's slightly uncool because it's tiktok but at the same time i'm like yes Mm. you do that you young queens and the young people are on tiktok so you know it's perfect avenue to do that i only think it's cringy because i don't understand tiktok (laughs) i fucking love tiktok i fucking love it so yeah Love that. I guess Youngblood was my next one. So who is your next one? My next one is BTS. Yes. So I've got a very long list about why I think that's so great. So firstly, boy bands obviously have like kind of a squeaky clean image, very like apolitical. I, th- I think a lot of people don't really know about K-pop anyway, because obviously people are dismissive and racist lol. Um, sorry, that's not funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
I want to actually draw attention to the way that they speak up and stand for equality and against racial discrimination. Now, here are some of the examples. Yes. In 2018, they made a speech at the UN addressing issues of race and gender identity. It wasn't a performative action either because they changed the lyrics of their song, Fake Love. Even though it's like Korean, a Korean word, it was the Korean word for like, I am slash you are, sounds a bit like the N word. Mm. People recognised that, they addressed it with them and they decided to change the lyrics entirely of the song. That is so good of them yeah. to do that because you could so easily justify that by mm. saying it's a different language. Definitely. And the fact that they've just completely gone no yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll change it. And considering they're also probably so used to singing these words every single night to be like, okay, we're just going to change the lyrics and then have it to learn. I mean, I know it's not that hard to learn a few lines, but considering you're sort of like in a habit of doing that, because mm. I haven't seen any slip-ups of them doing it. So yeah, that's really great. So there was a, this year, the whole like Black Lives Matter movement, a lot of their stands were donating to Black Lives Matter and they were calling like BTS to be like, uh, match match our donations, blah blah, and they did, and also donated oh. one million to the Black Lives Matter movement. So they matched them and then donated yeah. one million. Yeah, isn't that amazing? Did, Another... um, did Jeff Bezos donate anything to uh, Black Lives Matter? Mm, probably not. Oh <laughs> God, Can't. Have you seen that Twitter account which is like, has Jeff Bezos decided to end world hunger yet? <laughs> still no. <laughs> Every single day he's like, Jeff Bezos has still not decided to end world hunger. <laughs> Um, So another point that I wanted to make was that K-pop fans, people found them quite annoying because obviously like they will reply to anything with just a gif. (laughs) Why is that annoying? I I fucking love it. I'm like, wow. I flood my Twitter feed with this. (laughs) Um, But what I love about K-pop fans, and obviously this isn't just BTS kind of extends to all K-pop groups, but do you remember when um, Trump was going to do a rally in Tulsa? Yeah. And all the K-pop stands decided well firstly they eradicated the hashtag white lives matter mm-hmm. um but also they decided to like take up all the seats at this tulsa rally oh. so out of like i think twenty thousand seats available only like six thousand people actually attended because all these k-pop stands booked it and then obviously didn't go so <laughs> fucking love that this is the best movement for a long time <laughs> the k-pop movement the k-pop community <laughs> are a movement oh, now i love it um and then sorry i'm gonna i'm going on for a no while. please do this is very um, good but yeah yeah, lastly, BTS, they've actually spoken up about climate change. They became spokespeople for like Formula E Championship, which is the world's first racing championship to use electric cars. <laughs> I just love BTS. I know, me too. So yeah, they just they just really well firstly, like they listen to their fans and they actually use their platform to speak up about such great issues. Not great issues, they're all bad, but What's the um the main song by BTS called? Not the main one, but like the one in English. Dynamite. Dynamite. Mm. Um, I was in the car with Jade the other day, oh, Ryan's yeah. sister, and Dynamite came on and she was just singing along and I was like, yes, queen. Yes. <laughs> the K-pop movement has infiltrated. <laughs> <laughs> oh, who's your next one? My next one is Jason Arlen Butler. I think it's just Alan, but I always say Arlen. Alon. Alon. Jason Alon Butler. Jason Alon yeah. Butler. He's my next person too. Okay, that's lined up well mm. then. Obviously, he's currently in Fever 333. He was in Let Live. Mm. Um, and he's very famous for saying, We have a fucking problem. People are dying en masse. Kids are going to school and killing their peers. We need to find a solution, which yes. is obviously about gun control in America. 
He also did an interview with Kerrang where he talks about like growing up in poverty and how this affected his activism today, mm. which I think is a really interesting insight into why people feel like they should speak up about stuff. Because I often find that psychology really interesting of like people who do speak up and people who don't mm. and like what the difference is there. So he basically got into politics through reading and going skating with people. And he said that just changed things for him completely. So I just find him really interesting. Tom also saw Let Live supporting A Day to Remember ages ago. Oh, I was there too. Wait. Yeah. So Tom said he remembered him doing a talk about women and his mother. Um, and he ended it by saying, anyone in the audience who thinks it's appropriate for them to touch a woman without their consent, I'll come out there and fuck you up personally, motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, obviously we don't condone violence, it's just a girl. But, um, love that. Oh, me too, me too. I love his passion. Yes, he is so passionate, isn't he? Um, Also, can I make one more quick point? Yeah, of course. You know, um, I'm really sorry if I pronounced their name wrong, but do you know Yasmin Suman? Yeah. Um, So they are like a sort of alt- Instagram influencer they are so I just find them really interesting and cool and they have been doing like a thread about Black Lives Matter at the moment they just spread loads of awareness of like people of colour in the alt scene and follow them on Instagram if you don't already because they're awesome but Jason Alon Butler was doing like a live stream the other day on Instagram and he basically like acknowledged them and was like what you're doing is really important I really appreciate it I see you oh my god Um, and that's just so nice of him yeah that is so nice so oh god love that what's what have you got to say about our pal Jason Yeah, pretty much the exact same. I focused more, because obviously that's what I identify with, um, focused more on like the race issue that he's so vocal about it, realises how important it is, especially as a black person. And he's going to be sort of like a role model for younger black people who are into this genre. Mm. And it will be okay for them to like this genre, even though it is like a a white genre. Like, Mm. you know, there is no sort of you can be anybody and listen to rock music. So I love that message that he's um, pushing out. And he also, yeah, just encourages people to have conversations, feel uncomfortable and to learn. Also, I don't know if you know, but the first Fever 333 show was on the 4th of July. That's how, like, political they want to be. Wow. Slash R. Yeah. Love that. Love. So considered. Okay, so who's your next? Because obviously Jason was my next one. So my next one, this is quite a brief one. And this is only from, like, seeing his live shows. But it's Frank Gallero. Okay. So he just seems like a really lovely guy. And he's obviously, he's part of Safe Gigs for Women. He's very supportive of like safe gigs in general. So Mm -hmm. like every time I've seen him live, which is quite a few times because Annie loves Frank Iero. So we are gig buddies. He has always, always, always said, if someone falls down, we pick them up. If you see a woman in distress, we help her out. And he Mm -hmm. always like does these speeches which I don't think is virtue signalling. I think he genuinely believes it and yeah. wants people to feel safe at his gigs. Well, especially if he's part of Safe Gigs for Women, I think that's, like, <laughs> evidence enough. <laughs> well, yeah. And I just, like, I do normally feel safe at gigs because we're lucky enough where I'm normally with people who make me feel safe or, like, it's at a venue where, you know... But obviously there's always that slight feeling of like something might happen Mm. or whatever but at Frank Iara's gigs I always feel like if anything were to happen I would be supported yeah which is really important definitely oh love love him I had no idea about that I all all I knew about him was My Chemical Romance and his own band once I walked past him it was in um Queen Square 
No. Yeah. That might have been when he was performing at the Fleece, because he was literally just stood at the back of the crowd. Oh, maybe, And then yeah. me, Tom and Annie were like, Frank! Frank! <laughs> <laughs> None of you went to say hi! <laughs> Tom, Tom might have, he's much more confident. Oh, right, fair. But um, I didn't really know him that well, and I just walked past him and was like, Hi! <laughs> <laughs> When I walked past him, I was with my ex-boyfriend at the time. And um, we, because we both, I loved Michael McCormance more than he did, but we both really liked Michael McCormance. And so we walked past him and we did the whole, like, you know, when you recognise somebody, you like clock their faces. And then as they walk past, you literally just keep staring, being like, in your head, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And he obviously getting away. (laughs) And he obviously fucking knew that we knew, because it was not like a subtle stare. He knew that we knew that he knew. But, oh god, it was such a great moment, actually. He, um, do you know he's got a tattoo of a noodle? Because he asked his little daughter, she was like, Daddy, I want a tattoo. And he was like, What do you want a tattoo of? And she was like, Noodle. <gasps> so he got a tattoo of a noodle. Oh my god, what kind of noodle? I think it's just like your regular. It's not an udon, it's not oh, that right. thick. Yaki soba noodle? Mm, no, maybe like, I think it's just like an egg noodle. Oh, okay, fair. Wow. Medium, medium, medium cut medium. egg noodle. <laughs> Imagine getting an udon, that would be a girthy fucker for a tattoo. (laughs) Who's your next one? My next one are action adventure. Yes, I didn't write them down. So Christina mentioned them in our last episode, but we love them anyway. So basically, I discovered them through you. You sent me via DM and I fucking love them. They're a pop punk band who have a really diverse group of band members, South Mm -hmm. Asian, East Asian, black, no white people. Um, (laughs) Woo! And they're also just fucking good too. Like in terms of like sonically, they're quite heavy for pop punk, really gritty, kind of like imagine like knuckle puck kind of vibe. Mm -hmm. But also talking about stuff that's not leaving your hometown, a girl not loving you, that kind of stuff. They're actually talking about breaking stereo gender, not gender stereotypes, race stereotypes, you know, rock music isn't white people music. They can sound like that and look like the way they do. Um, Yeah, addressing stuff like microaggressions, preconceptions, which I think in a genre that is so white, it's really important to do so. I I have a point to add to this, which is... So discovering this band is pure coincidence through following Meet Me at the Altar, which I think just shows like following a more diverse network on social media, you will find more diverse talent like definitely it's out there people just don't want to find it so Mm -hmm. following bands like meet me at the altar pink shift action adventure you will find more diverse bands and it's just and they're good it's not just like a novelty because none of them are white they are genuinely good so good i literally got boost bump boost gumps boost gumps goosebumps from listening um so yeah sorry It sounds kind of Southern American. <laughs> Do you reckon? It sounds like a, a prawn restaurant in Southern America. Boost Gumps. Get yourself to Boost Gumps. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, I do actually. Yeah. But yeah, I just wanted to say that I can, I finally have something that I can relate to when it comes to a genre that I love. I forgot we were recording then and just did a Robbie Williams mic flick for my moisturizer. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> Side note. Robbie Williams. Yeah. Do you think he's Britain's national treasure? No. Thank you. That's I thought lady. David Attenborough was Britain's national treasure. Thank you. Okay. Who says who says Who do you think says Robbie Williams? Tories? No. White people? Which white person? <laughs> Henry? <laughs> no, <Ryan>. joking. <laughs> joking, Henry, sorry. <laughs> Tories, Henry. <laughs> 
Oh no, he's going to be really upset. <laughs> I'm so glad you said David Attenborough because I was so I said so. Ryan's got this joke that Robbie. It's not a joke actually. He fully believes that Robbie Williams oh. is the national treasure. And I said, who do you actually think is the national treasure? And he was like, I don't know, David Beckham. <laughs> And I was like, surely it's David Attenborough. Everyone says he is a national treasure. And then he then changed the conversation to, yeah, but Richard Attenborough's in Jurassic Park. I was like, okay. Okay, but that's not getting through anything. Anyway. <clears throat> Silly. Silly. Okay, uh, is it my turn or is it your, your turn? Is it? We're talking about Frank Aero. I mentioned action adventure. Oh, of course. Just forgot a whole conversation. Sorry, I literally <laughs> just saw, at the top of my screen it said Frank Aero. <laughs> I was like, I've just done that. <laughs> Aww. confession to make oh no and i'm not being dave Grohl here i genuinely do um, oh okay got it enter shikari yeah mainly because of their environmental activism mm. i think is <laughs> people just aren't focusing on it as much anymore which is good because it's kind of become part of everyday life but it's still an iterative process oh, there's yeah. still so much more to be done just because we recycle and eat oat milk now yeah. it doesn't mean that like it's fine. Oh my god! Definitely. So I think it's really good. Eat oat milk, by the way. Um, I think it's. <laughs> I noticed that. I was like, don't correct, don't correct, don't be a knob. <laughs> my point is, it's still important to like keep reminding people that it's it's literally an ongoing issue. Yeah. Like the planet will. Well, I don't know what will happen. Will it burn? Probably. Yeah. Um. So the reason I wrote them down was because I just think environmentalism is very important and an issue to discuss however my actual notes say natalie will probably mention these lots so just vibe with it (laughs) (laughs) so i didn't mention them because i mentioned them in a previous in the q a episode so i was like everyone already knows but i can totally like go with it yes i completely agree to even like they even put it in their lyrics i know that's a really obvious point but you always see bands nowadays for example i know i always slag them off but you me at six when i saw them at reading festival last year you know what their songs are about it's all the same thing this girl doesn't love me kind of thing yeah so he was singing these songs like save it for the bedroom and then after after that would be like guys go vegan climate change blah blah this kind of stuff it was just so i understand the importance of the message but for you, it just doesn't really seem like the right... You know, if you want to talk about it, then do it in your songs or, like, set up a charity, donate to a charity, that kind of... Don't just, like, say it to a crowd of people where it just feels really, like, disjointed from what you're actually talking about. Yeah, I completely agree. And it's it's a similar thing to what we spoke about in the Unpopular Opinions episode, where, like, every piece of art is political. So by creating music that's, like, take your colours off... Mm. It, I know that was a really old song. <laughs> wish they still played it <laughs> but do you know what I mean like it's it's not helping anything apart from like my serotonin levels perhaps mm. when I'm getting ready for work but um yeah I think it, it's a good point to make I know you said it was obvious but it's not like loads of people don't have anything political yeah. in their lyrics and if and if they do then it almost becomes like punk yeah like idols yeah who I didn't want to mention in this episode but here I go <laughs> <laughs> they do have political lyrics which mm. i think is good definitely definitely they're just not performative band and i'm always for non-performative people i thought you were going to say i'm always for nonces then oh absolutely not good who's <laughs> <laughs> uh, your next one so my next one is very local localized Ooh. one but i just really want to give a shout out so 
is to Cy Martin and his team at Heads Above the Waves. Do you know Heads Above the Waves? Yes, I've yeah. heard either you or Gabby mention Yeah, them. probably. Their team also consists of Beth Miller and yes. Hannah, who runs Team Up in Cardiff um, alt night. Um, so basically, Heads Above the Waves are a non-for-profit organisation and charity who raise awareness of depression and self-harm in young people. And they actually, yeah, like I mentioned, they worked with Danny Winterbates to do the Safe Spaces in Cardiff. I just really like how accessible they are to mm. people, basically. They raise awareness through art, whether it's music, they do video chats with like figures in the scene, so they've done one with like Holding Absence, The Wonder Years, they like sell prints and illustrations, clothing, which is also mm. like just really, really nice clothes, but it's clothing with a great message. And yeah, like I mentioned before, mental health is such a taboo, especially with younger men, that it's great that they're doing something like this for the scene. Also, all their models, very inclusive um, when it comes to race and sizes so big up big up Cy oh I love that thank yeah. you for doing like a local shout oh, out no I think that's important hmm. who's your next one so my next one is slightly problematic Ooh. because I would like to acknowledge the good stuff he's done okay but I would also like to take it with a pinch of salt because there's a lot of other bad stuff that he's done yeah but I think it's a good discussion topic anyway so my next one is the 1975. Okay. Matty Healy particularly. They obviously recorded a song with Greta Thunberg, mm. who, if anyone's been living under a rock, is a climate change activist and queen. an absolute queen. And they spoke out about LGBTQIA plus discrimination mm. in Dubai. But what I don't like about this is that he kissed a guy on stage because I think in his mind, he was speaking out against homophobia and, you know, I get the point, but it's also putting that one person at risk, which I think is really dangerous mm. because obviously I don't agree with the laws in Dubai, but I'm also not going to sit here and be Islamophobic. Mm. So I think while he was trying, which is good, you need to be considerate in your efforts yeah, definitely. and not put people at risk. Otherwise you're just making it worse. Mm. It's one of those things where he probably was so caught up, so passionate, so caught mm. up that he was like, this is going to make such a big statement without realising, without thinking about the consequences, which is obviously bad because you should always think before you act, but some people just aren't wired that way. Yeah. And I think as much as I sort of worry that the 1975 are going to be one of those bands that end up being problematic. They are also one of my favourite bands mm. and I love their music and I love, I've loved them since I was like 14. Yeah. So it's one of those difficult things where I have to criticise them. Otherwise I'm just going to be in this echo chamber of the 1975 yeah. fan community. And it's, you have to accept that, like as much as you love a band, they can do stuff wrong. I agree. I agree. But I think like, he's really lovely to like their fans as well. Like there's a video of, Matty Healy like giving his guitar to somebody in the Aww. audience which imagine that just like yeah, a as a young guitar. a whole guitar Christ um, so yeah I think I think Matty Healy and the 1975 are a great example of like good intentions but poor execution sure sure I feel similarly about Brendan Urie um, when he was mm. like I wish I was black it's like <laughs> yeah that's just got no I don't want to use a term tone deaf because it's ableist but yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Um, okay, so my next one is a B-knock. Yes. Yes. So I think he's actually one of the most unproblem of of what I know of him anyway, one of the most unproblematic male A-listers ever. Oh my god. Harry Styles. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I didn't even think about mm. him. What a so, king. So yeah, I love him so much. Firstly, what made me admire him initially, because I just thought one direction, like mm. simple manufactured guy. Stop smoking, Zane. Mm. <laughs> 
<laughs> forgot about that. Um, was when he defended young fangirls in that Rolling Stones interview. Yeah. Yeah. He basically like called them our future. He defended them. Who's to say that young girls who like pop music have worse musical taste than a 30 year old hipster guy? Because obviously pop just means popular. He said, that's not up to you to say. Music is something that's always changing. There's no goalposts. Young girls like the Beatles. You're going to tell me they're not serious? How can you say young girls don't get it? But yeah, he said that they're our future and we actually like, you know, have to pay attention to what they say. And they're the most powerful fans that you have. They're the ones giving you all the money. I was just going to say, who are people to judge young girls when they're probably the money maker for oh my so God, many industries. Like they'll sit here and slag them off, but then absolutely exploit them at the same mm-hmm, time. Mm-hmm. Doesn't make sense. Secondly, a similar thing to Youngblood actually is to do with gender norms. Mm. So I like that he purposely doesn't fit into like a, in terms of like the way he dresses a male or female box. He doesn't want to be categorized by his sexuality. Um, and you know, everything he wears is really androgynous. He similarly mm. paints his nails, that sort of thing. I want to read out a quote that he said, which was, I think there's so much masculinity in being vulnerable and allowing yourself to be feminine. And I'm very comfortable with that. Growing up, you don't even know what those things mean. You have this idea of what being masculine is. And as you grow up and experience more of the world, you become more comfortable with who you are. Which is amazing for people who identify as men who are also like really sensitive. Yeah. Um, Because obviously, you know, there's the whole like man up kind of thing that people shout out. And it just kind of makes you feel like, you're not manly. Like, it makes you question your own gender, even if you do feel comfortable in your mm. body. I think it just supports the narrative as well of, like, non-binary people don't owe you androgyny. Mm. Men don't owe you and trans men don't owe you, owe you masculinity. And I hate these, like, gender binary terms of, like, masculine and feminine. Mm-hmm. And he is so famous that he has the power to normalise androgyny and gender play. And young girls I've seen are, like, calling this their type now. Mm, Like, men who play with their gender. And that's so good. I think he's aware of his power to normalise it. And he's using it. And it's just, it's great to see. I can't believe I didn't even think about him. Yeah, definitely. That's a great one. No problem, love him. Yeah. Who's your next one? So my next one is Creeper. Okay. Obviously, they've got Hannah in the band, so they're bound to be arguably more aware of, like, Mm. issues. So I asked my friends Tom, Annie and Callum about, like, which bands or male musicians do you think are, like, good for inclusivity and equal opportunities? And Tom came back and said that when he saw Creeper at Trashed, they made a point of covering over the male and female (gasps) toilets. Oh, yeah. And they just said urinals and no urinals and go where you feel comfortable yeah um which i i love that because i know loads of cis men who hate using urinals Mm. for no reason other than stop looking at my knob basically (laughs) um and i know trans men who will still use female toilets because they don't feel like they belong in the men's toilets even though they are men Mm. um but they just don't feel safe in male toilets because they don't look like men or some other bullshit mm. excuse that society would give them. But um, I just love that they've just completely removed a, like genders there and just said what it is. Yeah. Because that is the only difference. Yeah. Oh God, I love that actually. And they're the only band that I've seen do that mm. to like hide the signage on toilets. Because there are some that are just like gender neutral mm. and that's also good. But I, I just really like that it's just so factual yeah definitely not urinals yeah urinals god love love it have you ever weed in a urinal no i haven't i'm afraid it's gonna go everywhere haven't used a shoe before i was at reading festival oh yeah 
And I did a little wee in a urinal. How was it? Sat on it. It was gross. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> especially at a fucking festival too. I needed oh. to go. Oh, you in hindsight, go. it would have actually been more hygienic to just wee on the floor. Probably, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, the grass. thanks, listeners, for supporting my gross stories every week. <laughs> Always about urine, too. Oh, God. Oh. What's your next one? So my next one is Frank Carter. Oh, thank God. Wait, who did you think? Frank Turner? Yeah. No, 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 no. Did you see my face? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, God, Six four. out of ten. In terms of sneezes? In terms of, like, sound quality of the sneezes. Oh, thank they you. They weren't as, like... I don't really have sneezes like that, to be honest. You did before. Oh, I like purposely try to be like, I don't want people to think I sneeze weird. Um, Um, Frank Carter. Yes, Frank Carter. So I've, to be honest, I have heard stories about him, but they're kind of ones that you hear once and no one sort of like makes a fuss about it kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't really know how kind of like valid it is. And um, if people, like, feel free to correct me, people, if you're listening, just like send a tweet, whatever. Mm -hmm. But I think he does do great things so he again is very vocal about inclusivity in the genre particularly about gender because he's got a younger daughter um and he was saying in an interview how he noticed there was like a big split of men and women at his shows so he also he always makes a speech at his gigs um about how it needs to be a safe space bit like frank does but he does he has this moment in every gig that he does where he encourages women to crowd surf he's like this place this needs to be a safe space blah blah so you know if you're a woman like come come over give me a high five kind of thing which is really nice because like i remember when i was younger i didn't crowd stuff until i was 25 because i was Mm. so afraid of like getting touched up um and so for him to do that make people firstly like feel comfortable doing it but also sort of like normalizing women crowd surfing is really great yeah and then at reading festival in 2019 and like i've never cried no i've cried once i gig before it's my comic romance this is the second time i've cried it was at reading festival last year and he you know like one of those circle pit moments where he's like open this up and then you see all these like big men who like you know really testosterone filled being like yeah and this is my time to shine like opening up the pit oh. flinging their t-shirts around before like it kicked in he was like women's circle pit only oh my and you could god see all yes. these like women smiling and like Woo, like jumping into yes. the middle of the, oh god it was they looked like they were having the time of their life it was just, it was actually such a touching moment like i'll put the link in the show notes because yeah please yeah, do it was lovely really really nice so i think we're on to your last one now so my last one is more of a throwback to episode four of just a girl um oh my god where we interviewed faisal from loathe and ash from holding absence i think the fact that they came on a feminist podcast is good you know <laughs> i know they're our friends but i just think it's worth giving them a shout out Obviously, we know them personally. I know that they have really progressive views. So I just wanted to have a throwback to that mm, because listen mine... to episode four of Just a Girl. <laughs> <laughs> mine was the same. <laughs> Fuck off. I gen- genuinely. I didn't want to like seem sycophantic, but I was also like, they are genuinely like really good people in, you know, being an ally, being willing to learn, yeah. being vocal about it, checking in with their friends' mental health. Yeah. Just really, like, unproblematic people. Like, I love hanging out with them both. Yeah, yeah, me too. And, like, Ash, I hope he doesn't mind me saying this, but, like, has phoned me before to, like, check himself. Not himself, but, like, just to ask my opinion on, mm. like, 
feminist issues, which I think is such a good way to be, because obviously it can be tiring for some marginalised groups if people are, like, always asking them. But he checked first whether it was okay to ask, and then rang me to, like, check something. And also, like, I'm a white woman. I don't have that much shit to deal Mm. with. Like, please do ask me. And that goes to anybody listening. And I just think, like, the fact that he like reads feminist books and like is willing to like both of them I just thought it was worth acknowledging yeah that level of progression because it's really important definitely and even in the conversation that we had like not once did they get defensive Mm. if we like maybe corrected them or sort of like pointed something out that they didn't realize they were just like oh you know they they worried because they worried that they might have actually offended somebody, which is the way that it should be. If someone tells you like, this is the way it is as a marginalized person, don't get defensive about it. Be like, oh, okay. I have learned that this is a problem. Here's what I should now do. Mm. So yeah, love them both. Me too. Oh, Well, not ending. I've got some questions for oh, us. Oh yeah. Love a Q. Q&A sesh. So obviously we have both just shouted out some really lovely men doing really great things in music, particularly the alt scene. So I want to know how easy you think it is for men to support marginalised groups publicly. Okay. And what do you think is preventing more people from doing it? Okay, so I think in theory it's really easy. And it's a point that I like I will continue to drill in this podcast until it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, is just give other people a chance, give genders a chance, ethnic minorities, those with disabilities, whether it's like at festivals, in your music videos, your photographer, anything, give other people a chance because like we mentioned, there are loads of people you just need to diversify your network. I think it's even easier to do something as like just sharing media of creatives in marginalized groups or yes. sorry who are part of marginalized groups you know it doesn't take long to just re- press a retweet button press the share button on instagram you know a little goes a long way especially when it comes to social media shares because you know you've learned so much on social media you listen to songs that people share on their stories you send me songs and i'm like okay i will listen to this like it is such a powerful tool to spread awareness Yeah, I think, like, the perception of social media, it's literally, like, what you put in, you get out. Obviously, there's so much controversy surrounding social media and its health effects on people, particularly mental health, obviously. But, Mm -hmm. like, I don't use it for vanity. I use it to, like, support people and back our own podcast. And sometimes just for the odd selfie. (gasps) We need to post my selfie. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I love such it. Such a good point, and that's like my vanity. But you're you're so right. Like yeah. I have discovered so many of my favorite bands just from Twitter alone, hundred percent, including Pink Shift, Meet Me at the Altar, yeah. Action Adventure, all just from following people like Lucinda on Twitter, mm. who are like active and speak out about shit like Definitely. this. Definitely love Lucinda. Oh my god, Lucinda is such a fucking queen. We think she's our friend. <laughs> I hope she's our friend. <laughs> she is our friend. She knows. The other day she called me pretty. And I was like, oh my God, oh what my the hell? God. You Lucinda's are approval. I know, but Lucinda's approval. I know. <laughs> <laughs> she's speaking the truth. 
Um, so what do you think is preventing more people from doing it? Okay, so like I just mentioned, lack of diversity in networks. Because people will always sort of be like, oh, well, I don't know anybody. Again, there's no excuse for it, especially in this day and age where you can just search for people or ask people. There are There is someone out there. You know, we can talk to people from all over the world because of social media. Oh, there's also like actual figures or like influences that you can follow too. Friends mm. of friends, whatever. I think that, and I don't think this is an excuse at all, but this is my thinking behind why they think it, is that they don't want to ruin their image by sharing like political stuff. That was going to be my point. I thought you were being a bit too fair there by saying <laughs> they don't ha- follow the right network because you don't have to have marginalised people in your life and you should probably ask yourself why you don't if you don't. Mm. But it's the same argument as like, oh, rape's only bad if it happens to your sister. Yeah. But you don't have to know these people to know it's an issue. That's true. I think it... I think personally, and I might be being presumptuous again, but a lot of the time it just looks like either aesthetics or political clashes, like their label or mm. the band. And I and I really understand some of it. Like, obviously you're tied into contracts and legally can't post other stuff. If yeah. you've got like gigs coming up or something, you have to promote them. But that doesn't mean that in the downtime, you can't be sharing stuff, retweet, retweeting stuff, Definitely. commenting on stuff. Social media is so powerful. Mm. And not only that, but like if live shows can ever happen properly again, like just speaking out at live shows about stuff. Definitely. I completely agree. That was my other point was music politics, like not wanting to piss off other bands, piss off people in the industry Mm. in case it harms their career, which firstly I think is just really selfish. I think like obviously the more important thing to do is support people who are struggling. Mm -hmm. And actually, if your image is what you care about, then surely like you want to look performative at least by being like, wow, look at all these like great people. How is supporting marginalised groups ruining your image? I Maybe know, that's adding to right? it. Christ. Although that's arguably a bad point to make. Like, support <laughs> people for your image. Um, <laughs> well, you know. But it's better than not doing it at all. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, but like affirmative action needs to happen mm-hmm. for it to be the norm. And as an ethnic minority, I got to take wins where I can, you know? Oh, queen. Yeah. So how do you think the best way to address people is who aren't putting the work in. Mm. So, so your example, like idols, they do put in the work, but then they also kind of contradict themselves quite often. Mm. Um, So obviously when they were, when they did a bad thing by Nadine Shah kind of outing them, they then completely arguably undid that by having all of their support bands as people from marginalised groups, pretty yeah. much all black people or women mm. or whatever. How do you think you would address somebody who wasn't putting the work in? So I think it's quite difficult because it's one of those things. That, so like initially I thought, call them out, simple as, but it seems kind of unfair when it's not even like a conscious thing for some people, mm. you know, to be like, you're not doing this when they've not even like thought to not do it. That makes sense. Um, That's a good point. But... At the same time, maybe if we call them out, it will allow them to have space to learn. I think that, yeah, I still think calling out is the case, but I think that it's when they're going to be hypocritical. Mm-hmm. So this is a very, very recent thing and something that really has really bothered me, actually, is Dream State. And mm-hmm. I don't want to, like, I know they're good people. Everyone said they're good people. They are great musicians and I supported them up until yeah. this point, but... They supported Black Lives Matter, obviously acted like they were for marginalised groups, but then appropriated Asian culture with their artwork mm-hmm. without even addressing it in any way whatsoever. Um, I've had a lot of like people be like, oh, I don't really understand how it's offensive. 
well, I don't give a shit. Read my tweets and <laughs> learn. You shouldn't have to say it more than once. No, exactly. So I think, yeah, I think the best time to do it is when you recognise that someone's being hypocritical. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. Mm. And I think I think my answer to this would be, like, address people with forgiveness because everybody makes mistakes. And I know that's so easy for me to say as a white person to address people with forgiveness. But as you said, some people don't even realise the problem sometimes. And that is because they're privileged. But at the same time, it's not their fault that they're privileged. They're just part of this systematically racist and sexist and everythingist society. Mm. And approaching somebody with aggression because they're not doing something right isn't going to get the point across because naturally they're going to become defensive because they're being attacked. Definitely. So I think approaching people with forgiveness and educating rather than telling off in the first place I think if they're deliberately being ignorant or not even willing to learn then yeah fine Mm. still not aggression but like maybe a bit stricter than a (laughs) hello um, just (laughs) dropping in with your feminist reminder um but do you you know what I mean I think I think and, and I would encourage white people to read white fragility and me I think it's called because I learned so much about just being white Mm. and I know this isn't necessarily about race this episode but it is about marginalized groups and white men (laughs) and it and it applies to all instances I I hear a lot of men get defensive when women are talking about rape or assault or anything along those lines that is stereotypically men against women because they always go well I wouldn't do that my friends wouldn't do that Mm -hmm. it's not all men we know it's not all men but the problem has to be addressed as the person committing the crime and not the victim. Same as Black Lives Matter. Black people aren't the problem. The white systematic mm. racism is the problem. So I think it comes from, you have to forgive people initially, but then the people who are the oppressors, in quotation marks, also need to be willing to learn. Definitely. Have I? Is that succinct? I feel like yeah, I that makes so there. much sense. And I also want to add that even if it is something that you don't understand necessarily, don't just because you don't understand it doesn't mean it's a thing. The reason you mm. don't understand it is because you are blessed, I guess, blessed enough to have the privilege. And so, yeah, don't question somebody who's telling you something. Just think, okay, I obviously I'm lucky enough to not struggle with this, so I will just understand. I will, yeah, I will understand what they say, and I will learn from it and know how to, you know, behave or like mm. move forwards with it. I mean, perhaps I'm just naive, but I would never assume that somebody was lying about something. I don't understand why you would want to be oppressed or why you would make up that somebody is being racist or sexist. I think, as I've seen a lot of people talk about accusations of like sexual assault and people saying, oh, they're doing it for attention. Personally, I wouldn't want that attention. Mm. I don't understand why you would make that up unless it's from a place of malice. But I think the best way that humanity can thrive is to trust each other and like approach things with kindness. I know that sounds a bit deep, but fuck it. It's my podcast. Oh yeah. Um, our podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just check yourself. Why would somebody say something if it wasn't true? Like it's it's very rare that people will lie about being oppressed or attacked. Like I really wish I hadn't experienced all the racism. Exactly. Why would you want that? (laughs) (laughs) So do you think fans should hold artists accountable who aren't doing enough? My answer here is similar to the above. I Mm -hmm. think it's a balance. I think that when someone isn't doing enough, they technically haven't done anything wrong. So, you know, should we really have a go at someone for just, like, technically just existing? (laughs) Um, 
But people do need to know that this is the thing, especially in 2020, they need to realize, and like you said, acknowledge the privilege and check Mm -hmm. themselves to make active steps to allow space for the marginalized in such white areas. Mm. Um, And especially, it's so important, especially as somebody who would have a platform if you do have a band, it's so important to make people feel included. And it's part of, um, I don't know whether it's Maslow's hierarchy of needs or a different philosophy. I think you said but... that in the last episode. Oh, did I? About yeah. contribution? Yeah. Oh, good. I've been, I've been watching so many videos about <laughs> just like what humans need to like, just basically survive and well, feel... explain again, because someone might not have listened to the last episode, but they should. So in terms of like, just inclusivity in this specific genre, obviously like the alt scene is predominantly white. It's getting better but it's predominantly white male. So it's really important for fans of this genre who aren't white or male or either to feel included and like they're contributing to the scene because it's literally a basic human need Mm. to feel contribution, Um, which I didn't realise, which is partly explains why I'm such a fucking attention seeker. (laughs) (laughs) I literally watched this video about, I think it is Maslow's, but it might be a different one, about contribution being one of the needs. And I was like, this is why I don't (laughs) shut up. (laughs) Well, it makes for a perfect podcast co-host. So we're the dream team. Dream state, joking. (laughs) 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 You went to high five as well. I just wanted to support. Oh, you in it oh, that's what you were saying. One, two, three. Yes. yes. True fans um, will know what we just did. <laughs> I never posted that. Um, boomerang of oh, me with Leonie. Me. Yeah. Maybe for like promo later down the line. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what I would do actually is praise people who are doing good stuff and give them the attention, you know, give them the opportunities because hopefully it means that, you know, for example, like, if holding absence or loathe are you know they are doing these things but if they are then being like given radio play or being put on festivals because of this great activity that they're doing it will encourage more bands to do the same yeah while i agree with you i can see certain friends of mine saying why are they getting praise for something that we've been doing all this time like so for example like my black friends who have always been talking about equality and always been like signing petitions and going on marches and donating money. Why are the white people getting praise for the work that other groups have done for years? And I do agree with you because I think that acknowledging good behaviour maintains it. Mm. But then I can also see the point of view from... I'm thinking of one particular friend of mine who would be like fuck that <laughs> yeah actually now that you've you know said what that I, mean? I, can, I can definitely understand that point but I guess it really needs to start with sort of like this This isn't the right wording but like a mainstream source I really agree with you and I think there is never going to be an ideal way of doing it because in an ideal world there would never be any oppression to begin yeah. with but unfortunately there is and there's no perfect way of coming out of it unless everybody's mindset changed and that's mm. not going to happen so it has mm. to be gradual definitely by praising the white men mm. well like <laughs> not just the white men <laughs> i guess it's the same isn't it um about the festival lineups we can't expect all festivals to be 50 50 split or whatever percentage split of genders there are we have to start small so that you know snowball effect oh and finally um obviously this episode was for the boys, as for we the boys. called it in drafts. For the boys, because we think it's important to point out, as we've just said, like men doing the right thing and 
this is a podcast for everybody. We don't want to like separate anybody or, you know. So this is quite a big question. And I, and I recently debated this with Claire's boyfriend, who is lovely, by the way. You'd really mm. like him. Um, but do you think the term feminist is inclusive? Do you think the feminist movement is inclusive to everybody? I think that it is. This is the thing, it is. But I can understand why people would get so defensive about labelling themselves feminist. It is literally just the word or the area of the word femme. I, you, I know you've mentioned it in another, another podcast. Mm. You know, that's the part that you're so offended by, then you sort of need to like check yourself. Yeah. So I think, yes, in theory, if you are an intersectional feminist, then of course it is inclusive for everybody. As Joe Norris says, if it ain't intersectional, it ain't feminism. Joe Norris. That's her Twitter bio. I don't know her, but I love her. Oh my God. <laughs> Do you know, you know my friend Joanne, Joe from Noisy Little Monkey? Yeah, Joe. that's what I'm talking about. Oh. <laughs> I was like, you were talking about someone famous, and I was like, my friend Joe. <laughs> no, I'm talking about your Joe friend Joe. <laughs> just like, seen, I thought I recognised that. I've just seen her Twitter bio, and I was like, yes. Yes, Joe. That. She doesn't listen to this thing. Oh, we'll send her this app. Yeah, well. Call yourself a feminist. You don't listen to just a girl pod. Oh, my God. You're the- <laughs> what was that tweet which was like, um... You're not a feminist if you don't like four of my... Oh, no, if you don't like my tweet from four accounts or something like that. No, I had two of these tweets. One oh. was, call yourself a feminist, but you don't flame react to my Instagram oh, yeah. story. And then Ash immediately flame reacted <laughs> to my Instagram story. And then another one was, you're only a feminist if you like my selfie oh, yeah. on four separate accounts. And then me and Ash liked it on four separate yes. accounts. And Ryan liked it on two, and mm. Holly liked it on two. Oh, they're not feminists then, are they? Well, they've only got two accounts. Well, there. they need to make more. Right, I'll text Holly right now. I know you. I know you're busy with your blog, but can you make two more? <laughs> Actually, she's got three Instagrams. She does. Oh my gosh, she's slacking. Sorry, Hollis. Holly. Hollis. Holly Alice nine four. Oh. Uh, oh, we love Holly Alice. No, 94. we do. We do. Thank you, Holly, for your continued support. But like myself, he's on three accounts, please. The end. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, I agree with you that the intersectional feminist movement is inclusive enough. But I appreciate that I only know that because I know what intersectional feminism is. Mm. And I do a lot of reading around it. And obviously, I'm very passionate about it, if you can't tell. (laughs) Um, So I can understand why people think it's not inclusive enough. And also, some people might find the term femme problematic for different reasons, if they no longer associate with Mm. that, or if they've struggled with it in the past. So I do, I would be open to its name changing but at the same time I do respect its roots and sure. the women who started the movement well like you said you have to who was it um you have to name your problem name your problem mm. move that bus sorry but what I think it's a family guy reference oh sorry I don't watch family guy <laughs> <laughs> although there's some pictures I'll just see if I can find them where I look like Peter Griffin <laughs> what <laughs> wait shall we do our socials and then we'll discuss Okay, I'll do them. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Tom Tom was asking about artwork for Wildcat Boozy. Oh, cool. And Annie said, it's a vibe. And then I said, it's a big vibe. And then I had dee, Siwa dee, in my dee, head. Dee, Sorry. Dee. That's okay. Love that train of thought. Um, yeah, so you can email us justagirlpod at gmail.com with men that you admire who are doing great things, as well as if you think that we shouldn't admire these men because I would like to be... 
I would like to know if they are problematic. Yeah, educate us either mm. way, please. Please. You can follow us on Twitter at Just a Girl Pod and Instagram at Just a Girl Pod. You can follow my personals at Natalie. That's N four A S T A L I E on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow my personal Instagram at K five A's T I two E's or my Twitter at K Robert O O O or Roberto. Um, still looking into buying the. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not buying. Should we make it? a GoFundMe? Begging Get her. Get Katie her Get username. Get Katie her username. And the end. <laughs>